welcome back to Builder Funnel Radio. You're listening to The Construction Cut with Taylor Rennick. Here, you'll get the latest news in construction in 15 minutes or less. Let's dive into the show. Welcome back to The Construction Cut. I'm your host, Taylor. This week, we're covering the charges against a high-ranking construction official in New York, the future of office space in a post-pandemic world, and the shrinking lot size of the single-family home. It's Monday, October 12th. Let's dive in. Well, nothing like a little bribery and racketeering and fraud for a Monday morning. James Cahill, the president of the New York State Building and Trades Council, and 10 of his friends, have been charged by the Southern District of New York for allegedly interfering with labor contracts and general labor management relations in the construction industry in exchange for bribes. Representatives from the United Association of Journeymen and Apprentices of the Plumbing and Pipe Fitting Industry were also charged. The indictment alleges that Cahill interfered with labor talks, telling one non-union employer not to sign up with a union and not to pursue bids that would have resulted in work for its members. This is an issue because Cahill represents more than 200,000 construction workers as head of the New York Building and Trades Council. He's also a pretty big player in state politics. He served on industry panels for the governor, Andrew Cuomo, and has helped negotiate labor deals for large infrastructure projects in the state. He's accused of taking more than $100,000 in bribes, all in an attempt to thwart union practices and activities, resulting in corruption of the construction industry, and really to use his influence and connections to help employers who hired non-union labor for jobs. In addition to bribes, Cahill and his cronies also took free labor on their personal property projects, free food and drinks, and home appliances. The district attorney in Suffolk County, New York, was reported saying, quote, These union officials, who purported to be the ones looking out for workers and their rights, were in fact engaged in an enterprise of corruption at the expense of the hardworking men and women they claimed to represent. This was a complete betrayal of those unions and their membership, end quote. If convicted, Cahill and the others could face up to 20 years in prison for racketeering, honest services fraud conspiracy, and violating the Taft-Hartley Act, a.k.a. the Labor Management Relations Act of 1947, which oversees and governs union activities in the United States. Well, some interesting news coming from the National Kitchen and Bath Association last week. According to the latest market outlook, the industry has largely recovered from its first quarter pandemic-related decline. It was reported that the percentage of homeowners actively working on a renovation project increased from 19% in the first quarter to 36% in the second quarter. So what does this mean for remodeling companies? Does this mean that more renovation projects are being completed without the help of professionals? According to the NKBA, the answer is more or less yes. Nearly one in five home remodels completed this year were done without the help of a professional, with the majority of homeowners leaning on family or friends to help them with their project. There are a few reasons for the increase in DIY projects. People are staying home more and more, that's a given. Homeowners are wary of folks coming into their homes, also a reasonable conclusion. Or perhaps it's because Americans have less disposable income to spend on professionals. Or, maybe folks are wary of spending large amounts of money so close to an election. 
The CEO of the NKBA said in a statement, Consumers are, understandably, still careful about spending. But as the economy continues to reopen and improve, we expect smaller DIY projects will lead to more significant renovations, boosting both industry revenue and homeowner satisfaction with their living spaces. Well, regardless of the reason, the larger share of DIY projects is causing a bit of a dip in the average cost to remodel a kitchen or bathroom. According to the report, the average project spend on kitchens and baths dropped an average of $6,000, a big decrease from the $12,500 average that was reported in the first quarter of 2020. Market research shows that homeowners are looking for more functional space, looking to replace worn-out features or designs, or to update their home's general design. Well, according to the NEHB, the average size lot for a new single-family home has dropped to a record low. According to the latest figures from the Census Bureau, the median lot size for a single-family detached home is now 8,177 square feet. This is down an average of 390 square feet from 2018. According to the NEHB, 37% of all single-family detached homes sit on lots under 0.16 acres, while 24% of single-family homes sit on lots between 0.16 and 0.25 acres. If you've followed Builder Funnel for even a little bit, you know we're huge believers in the inbound marketing methodology. One of the most important phases is the client delight phase. By delighting customers, you turn them into promoters of your business and your brand. The only way to get people to go out of their way to sing your praises is to wow them throughout the process. This is something the guys over at BillBook are helping you do. Better communication leads to better outcomes. And that means communication at every level. Daily logs, client selections, punch lists, and change orders. Today, that communication gets super fragmented between email, text, and phone calls. And inevitably, things fall through the cracks. With BuildBook, everything funnels through one simple app, keeping everyone on the same page and your clients filled with delight. No more digging through texts or random emails looking for client approvals. Just one place to see everything going on with a project. And as a reminder, they're offering a special deal to all Builder Funnel Radio listeners. Hit pause right now and text BuildBook to 33777 for a free trial of the software plus 45% off the first year. All right, let's get back to the show. While the lot size of spec homes has drastically shifted towards smaller and smaller lots over the last few decades, there are some differences in lot size depending on which part of the country you live in. For example, the median size home in New England is three times larger than the national average, while in the South and in the West-South Central, states like Texas, Louisiana, and Arkansas, the majority of new homes are sitting on lots under the 0.16 acres mentioned earlier. While states like Washington, Oregon, and California, where land is scarce near major metros, more than half of all single-family homes sit on lots under 0.15 acres. Experts point to the strict zoning regulations in New England because strict zoning laws result in lower density, so more homes are built on bigger lots. Well, Experts are trying to figure out what's going to happen with the construction of new office space across the country. The pandemic has severely disrupted the traditional office structure. For decades, commuters packed the freeways and the subway trains five days a week to nondescript office buildings that look plain and boring on the outside, 
but house everything from upscale restaurants to nap pods on the inside. For decades, the Fortune 500 companies of the world invested billions in real estate and designing office buildings to inspire their employees and keep them on site for as long as possible. But in March, that all came to a grinding halt. Most companies have either closed or mostly closed their offices, while millions began working from home. Some companies, like Slack and Twitter, have given employees permission to work from home indefinitely, while companies like Apple and Facebook are planning on employing hybrid models of some kind, leaving the future of the office and the future of commercial construction in limbo. Housing costs in densely populated metros are higher than ever, and many of their employees are spending more and more time away from, their, from the city, taking the families to country homes or lake houses, or, in some cases, moving their family away from their company's headquarters altogether. If enough workers and those office buildings downtown decide they don't want to go back, what happens? Some companies have changed their plans, like Pinterest, who paid a pretty penny to get out of their lease in San Francisco, while other companies are subletting their extra space. Others are opting for more of a compound-like approach, swapping boring office spaces for live-work environments, almost like neighborhoods, complete with grocery stores and dry cleaners, anything you would need. A spokesman for Facebook said, quote, Half of our employees could be remote within the decade. We're also growing fast. We continue to invest in additional office space around the world and remain committed to our Bay Area offices. Part of that is an appeal to a millennial sense of wanting open space. There's a strong bend among millennials in caring about sustainable development and sustainable place-making and open spaces. I think that's a very intentional appeal to those employees. End quote. Okay, great. So, what about the cities where the landscape has changed forever? According to the Washington Post's Heather Kelly, the future of these headquarters is up in the air. She says, quote, In the communities already forever altered by their presence, by soaring housing prices, gentrification, and investments in infrastructure, the future of big headquarters is complicated. If they stay and grow, problems of inequality, housing shortages, and gentrification could be exacerbated. If the companies pull out, they could take a piece of the local economy with them. Who's impacted the most oddly is not the high-skilled service worker. It's the property owners, the small business. This is according to A.D. Tomer, a fellow at the Brookings Institution. She says, they can take a real hit that can create a negative cycle. Well, that is the latest news from the construction industry this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, we'd love it if you gave us a five-star review or subscribed to the Builder Funnel Radio Network. If you're on a smartphone, just tap or swipe over the cover art. If you've got an iPhone, you can also ask Siri to subscribe you to Builder Funnel Radio. And as always, shout out to BuildBook for supporting the Construction Cut and the other shows on Builder Funnel Radio. I'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Construction Cut on Builder Funnel Radio. If you got value out of today's episode, please do one of two things for me. Share it with a friend by clicking the share button in your podcast player and then texting it or emailing it to them. Or leave us a review. This is a free podcast, so spreading the word really helps us keep Builder Funnel Radio going. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time.